Glenn Beck. Well, have you have you looked at the news and thought to yourself, what the hell is going on? Have you looked at the news and tried to figure out how did we get here? What what how how do we not even know what the truth is anymore? How can we be living at a time where you don't even know how to navigate because what was totally acceptable yesterday can be can be something that you get fired for tomorrow? Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. I'm trying to figure out what he sacrificed, how he could possibly be compared to Muhammad Ali. And how Nike can flush millions, if not billions of dollars worth of stock market value overnight with an ad campaign that will alienate half of the American audience. And they'll have backbone. How can we see this so differently as people? Well, there's two words that explain almost everything. And it's cultural Marxism. Now, cultural Marxism sounds made up, but (laughs) actually it is a thing. It's an idea that a few Marxists at uh, the Frankfurt School in Germany dreamed up as a way to bring about Karl Marx's dream after they were frustrated that the worldwide proletariat revolution didn't break out. This is right after World War II. And they started looking at America. They're like, they're driving these big, huge cars. Everybody's got a house. These people aren't going to stand up and revolt. They're not going to. Capitalism is winning. They didn't know what to do. And so they got together in Frankfurt School in Germany in about 1959. And they said, okay, so we have to come up with a way to let people know how oppressed they are. They're so oppressed in those big, huge Cadillacs with the giant fins. They don't even know they're oppressed. They believed the world was too brainwashed on capitalism, so they needed to deprogram everyone. And they, they had to make everyone first question reality. Now, this has been going on for a very long time, but we are in its final phase now. Truth, facts, none of it mattered So long as everyone began to doubt the system. Now it has taken them decades to get here. But this is what's happening to us. It's critical theory. Cultural Marxists, they call it critical theory. You know, to deprogram your evil little capitalist brain. And all that centers around the criticism of the Western culture. And it goes like this. The Western capitalist society is a culture of domination. But only the Marxists can liberate you. Cultural Marxists from the Frankfurt School using critical theory. They were the ones who first talked about climate change and environmentalism. Why? To show the Western world is is dominating nature. They were the ones who brought up feminists because, of course, Western society dominates women. They claim to be advocates for African-Americans because Western society dominates minorities. All of this, all of this was complete bullcrap that didn't matter. 
so long as people eventually began to view themselves as victims and felt dominated. Do you remember when we were originally going into into some of this? I remember growing up and hearing my, my mom and my dad and my grandparents talk about a victim culture. What are we doing? We're making everybody into a victim. Well, now we're there. If you say anything on campus, you can be a victim. They've actually changed the meaning of trauma. Trauma used to be something that everyone could agree on, that that could happen and everyone would have their life disrupted. But we understood that trauma could be dealt with. Now, there's no trauma that can be dealt with. Now we have to protect you from trauma. Trauma is no longer a severe brain injury. Trauma can be anything. I had a rough childhood. We were poor. And now you're bringing up poor people and you're traumatizing me. I'm a victim. Concepts like individualism and free market, they knew would fade away, opening the door for a Marxist takeover. That is what cultural Marxism is. This is where we're headed. This is where we are. And we need to educate ourselves on it. Let me give you an example. You've read Tom Clancy. Have you ever read Tom Clancy? We, well, we all know. I mean, Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan is his main character, and Jack Ryan is about as American as you can get, right? So now they have a new John Clancy, Jack Ryan series on Amazon Prime, and it looks pretty cool, right? It dropped on Friday. Apparently, it's really, really great. Unless you're a reader of Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair uh, thought in an article they published called Jack Ryan is a patriotic nightmare. They thought it was over the top. (laughs) It's it's Jack Ryan. It's a Clancy novel. Now, here are some of the actual words from the article. The author is critical of Jack Ryan's, quote, masculine American heroism. Oh, my gosh, the horror. If it wasn't for the masculine American male, we'd all be speaking German today. He's a man. He's unapologetically American. And he's a hero. Oh, pray tell me not. I'll save you from any more of this dribble. It's about 2,000 words of more of the same. Jack Ryan, a man, runs around saving the world with his evil whiteness and even more evil American flag. In the end, you might actually feel patriotic. Yes. And there it is. The cardinal sin for cultural Marxists. Pride for your country. It stops you from feeling as though you've been dominated. You stop longing for a liberator. These are the roots of the culture war that we are currently in. And we must recognize it. Call it by its name. Do not play into the outrage. Or we really will not recognize our country in the very near future. It's Tuesday, September 4th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, hello, Stu. 
Welcome back, Glenn. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Mm-hmm. Good to be back. Solve any uh, global issues, climb any mountains? Uh... No, no. Read several books. I've got oh. several books that I want to tell you about that are great. Um, and we're going to have the authors on here in the, in, in the next few days. But I think I think there is there's something that has changed. And it is this understanding, at least um, in the... Uh, in the intellectual elite category of both the left and the right, the, the, the classic liberal, the one who thought that they were a progressive the whole time, and then they went, oh, wait a minute, no, I'm not. Wait, hold it, that's not what I was for. Those people are starting to wake up and start to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, warning, warning, warning. And there's enough, there's enough evidence out there that, that shows what the real lies are. And I want to talk about those uh, coming up. There's, there's a new book out, came out today, uh, The Coddling of the American Mind, which is fantastic by uh, Jonathan Haidt and uh, Greg uh, Lukanoff. And it talks about the three great lies that are happening right now. And uh, this particular book really talks about what to do as a parent. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant. But we see things so differently now. For instance, let me start with a recap of the funerals over the weekend. Okay. Since, first of all, let's talk about both of them. Aretha Franklin and John McCain. Both of them should have been uh, dignified. I mean, Aretha Franklin is a legend. Just, Just the fact that she took a song that was written about a guy coming home and wanting some sex do you know that story the, the the original story behind respect it was written for a guy and originally sung by a guy i don't remember which which guy it was um and it was sung and it was basically look i'm coming home you got to show me a little respect meaning sex okay <laughs> really? i want sex from my wife is this an urban legend no no, no this is true this is, real. This is true um so she flipped that around she took that she flipped that around and she made it about real respect. Okay? I'm going out and I want real respect here. It's remarkable. Just a remarkable woman. Her, her funeral was a circus. In many ways. Uh, first of all, Louis Farrakhan. There is absolutely no reason why anyone should have Louis Farrakhan or, and I'm sorry... Sit on the same dais as uh, as Louis Farrakhan. Can you imagine if there was a funeral and Richard Spencer was sitting at the end? Do you think that any American president, any preacher would sit next to him? No. If they did, they'd be rejected. Mm -hmm. Okay. here's a guy who is unbelievably racist a guy who is plotting for the and and rooting for the death of the western society and the rise of militant islam to kill all white people not to mention jews yeah, uh, he certainly wants that done uh, not to mention he basically admitted to getting someone killed yeah. uh, earlier in his life malcolm x uh, malcolm x uh, so there was uh yeah. it seems he's, like an if he's a little dicey yeah. he's a little dicey but then you put um, Bill Clinton uh, up there with Ariana Grande, who he's got this creepy leer 
going on. Oh, yeah. He liked that show. <sighs> I will say, I don't know what medicine that guy's taken, but it just doesn't end. He seems to have an unending appetite. It's incredible. It's, it, it, and, and, and to, be, to be doing that at the funeral for the woman who said, give me some respect. <laughs> some respect, not sex. Respect. It's hard to take the respect thing seriously when you invite Bill Clinton uh, and Louis Farrakhan. And Louis Farrakhan. Okay, so then, then you have the preacher. The the you've got three preachers, and only one of them is in trouble. Okay, first you have the preacher who uh, gets uh, gets a little handsy uh, with uh, Ariana, uh, and she and he starts with this joke. Go ahead, and play. Bishop gets handsy. I've got to apologize. Because I have to brush up my 28-year-old daughter tells me, Dad, you are old at 60. When I saw Ariana Grande on the program, I thought that was a new something at Taco Bell. Girl, let me give you all your respect. Let me give all your respect. As he's, as he's reaching for her breasts. Did y'all enjoy this icon? She's an icon I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little... It's a little disconcerting so will he be called out for making a taco bell reference i mean holy cow can you imagine if donald trump would have said that it would have been the greatest scandal of all time let alone saying that at aretha franklin's funeral you remember what a big deal it was when he ate a taco salad during the campaign he ate a taco salad and they took a picture of him and he said something like, you know, hey, it was, you know, this is the best taco salad at Trump Tower. And everyone's like, oh, he's insulting Mexicans. But that was like, <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. It was like a big it's thing. It's unbelievable. But it doesn't start. It doesn't stop there. It gets much, much worse. And to the point to where the one guy who's in trouble is the only guy who spoke the truth. Cultural Marxism. We'll get to that here in just a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Blinds.com. And one of the best ways to transform not just the look of your home, but how it feels is with brand new made-to-order custom blinds from Blinds.com. The team at Blinds.com makes it really easy for you with free samples, free shipping, and free online design consultation. They're going to help you choose the right blinds that are right for you and guide you through the entire measuring and installation process. The thing I like about uh, Blinds.com dot com is they're never trying to upsell you in fact Stu has the best example he put shutters in through blinds.com and they recommended um a different shutter that was less expensive they said they're better actually yeah you can save some money and you're gonna get just as good a look and they were right it's changed the entire vibe of the house when does that happen Blinds.com. This is why they're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. 20 years in the business. Over 20 million blinds sold. Go to Blinds.com. Read the reviews. See your before and after pictures and get the latest trends in colors and patterns and get all the help you need. Today is the last day of Blinds.com's Labor Day sale. Save up to 50% plus take an additional 5% off site-wide with the promo code back. That's 50% off plus an additional 5% site-wide at blinds.com promo code back today is the last day blinds.com promo code back rules and restrictions to apply mm. okay <laughs> so the the, the so, 
the clergy member who is in trouble is not the one who is groping Ariana Grande on or, stage at a funeral. Or saying that she's a Taco Bell item. Right. Okay. Not that one. No. Not Louis Farrakhan. Not Louis Farrakhan. The minister who is... Uh, and, and not this guy. Mm-hmm. Play Michael Eric Dyson. Now listen to this. From the Aretha, we are black Aretha Franklin. in Detroit. We don't care. Take your shoes off. Dip it in the water. Get baptized. And then this orange apparition had the nerve to say she worked for him. You lugubrious leech. Ugh. You dopey doppelganger of deceit Ganger. and deviance. You lethal liar, you dim-witted dictator, you foolish fascist. She ain't worked for you. She worked above you. She worked beyond you. Get your preposition right. Stop. So did you really hear anything about that other than the other than the the right media? Did you hear really anything about that? I mean, (laughs) that's. That's uh, that's uh, that's quite a mouthful there. Somebody got a thesaurus for his birthday. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. He did in a rhyming dictionary. Mm. Uh, I mean, what is the difference between this and Paul Wellstone's funeral? Do you remember how ugly that was? What was that? Twenty five years ago? Twenty years ago? Yeah. Where this guy, you know, he's powerful, um, a very big progressive. Had a uh, plane crash, right? Yeah, die mm. suddenly, and they turn it into a, a a political rally. It was ugly. Okay, so the guy whose hands on Ariana uh, uh, Ariana um, uh, Grande, Grande mm-hmm. calls her, you know, a Taco Bell item. Not in trouble. <laughs> Louis Farrakhan, not a problem. In fact, let me show. Andrea Mitchell, here's what she actually said about Louis Farrakhan. It's interesting to see the panoply of civil rights leaders. Of course, right there at the church, we see Reverend Al. We see the Reverend Jesse Jackson, who has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, but is so close to Aretha Franklin and is part of that legacy. Bill Clinton, of course, there and is going to give one of the eulogies and also the reverend farrakhan a very controversial leader from the nation of uh, of islam who is also there so it's an inclusive group we can see also on screen some of that <laughs> it's an inclusive group mm. it's an inclusive group uh no could you just give me the definition of panoply Yes, a complete or impressive collection of things, a splendid display. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. A, a complete, no. a complete collection of things. Well, where is I don't know uh, Franklin Graham? Where's anybody that disagrees with Sharpton and Jackson and uh, Farrakhan? That's not that's yeah, not that's not a smorgasbord, right? That's, hey, come on, you've got meat, meat, and meat. You got everything you need. Your three fruit groups, meat, meat, and meat. No, no. They're all exactly the same. They're all coming from the same direction. They're, they're all cultural Marxists. And, and, and on top of it, one of them is a real racist anti-Semite. Is it okay to, for, to call someone who wants to kill all white people and all Jews a civil rights leader? No, I, I don't no, think, I don't think so. so. I don't think so. All right. <laughs> so, and when did Bill Clinton become a civil rights leader? Uh, 
but they're not in trouble. As you just heard, NBC's fine with that. Who's the guy in trouble? I'll play that next. I want to thank you so much for uh, tuning in today. It's uh, good to be back off of uh, vacation. We have a great fall season lined up for you with some really incredible uh, guests and topics that we've been working on for quite some time um, that I think you're really going to be excited about. Coming up next hour, uh, I have some exciting things to uh, share with you. And we have a new book come out. Is it is it next week or the Two week after? Two weeks from today. Right? Two weeks from today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Addicted to Outrage just Ooh. got the first copy in. You've got a copy. I've I've got a copy, mm. uh, and it is it, it's really good. We worked really hard on this. I I you know it's who was it? Was it Jonah Goldberg that said if you haven't learned something? Uh, yeah, when you start a book, if you have if you don't change it by the end, then you're not doing it the right way. You should be learning things as you're writing the book. Right. With so much research and all the work that you're putting into it, it should actually change your beginning thesis a little yeah, bit. So it changed so much that I've written this twice. Uh, I I wrote it, finished it, and then went back and went. It's not right. It's it's just not right. Went back again, and I would still like to rewrite it because I'm learning so much on this topic. Um, but it'll help bring you up to speed on what I think the real issue is here in America and um, the the hidden pitfalls. We are legitimately addicted to outrage and science proves it out. And once you are once you're addicted, you're a slave to it. Uh, and and outrage stops you from thinking It puts you into fight or flight. And what we're doing is fighting. And I'm not saying that you retreat. There is no flight on this one. It's just understand the addiction that you're going through right now because of social media. And the book explains all of it and shows all of the science. But that's only really the first couple of chapters. The rest of it is about here's here's what we should be talking about. These are the big issues. And these are the things that will bring us back together. Right now, we're living in a society that is we care about all of the the little things. We'll fight to death over the little things, the meaningless things of life. But when it comes to the truth, the big principles, it doesn't seem like it matters. Truth doesn't matter. Uh, uh, principles don't matter. Big concepts don't matter. Nothing matters. But we'll fight to death over the little things. So let me give you this example of of the outrage at um, uh, Aretha Franklin's funeral. We just showed you the outrage about racism is is bogus with many people. They're not truly outraged. Otherwise, you would have been truly outraged by the pastor uh, calling Ariana Grande uh, uh, a Taco Bell item. Okay, that it doesn't that fall into the cries of racism that we've heard for so long? Of course it does. So that shows that outrage isn't real. The Me Too movement. You have Bill Clinton ogling Ariana Grande. And then you have the preacher grabbing her breasts. Not a problem. You you have no outrage, really, for that. 
you have no real outrage for uh, people who are actually preaching hatred. Oh, no words, hateful words. Those those words, those are dangerous. Otherwise, you wouldn't have Louis Farrakhan there. So who's the one guy that is in trouble? The one guy who spoke actual principles and truth. Now, you can make the case that maybe this wasn't appropriate at Aretha Franklin's funeral. But if the rest of it was, I can't see why this isn't. Here's a woman who fought for respect. The point of this sermon is we have to respect ourselves as a race. We have to respect our lives if we're going to expect others to respect us. Listen to the words. This is the only guy that's truly in trouble for speaking at Aretha Franklin's funeral. Black America has lost its soul. The one thing that black America needs today more than anything else is to come back home to God. We lost our soul. Why is your soul, black man? As I look in your house, there are no fathers in the home no more. Where is your soul? 70% of our households are led by our precious, proud, fine black women. But as proud, beautiful, and fine as our black women are, one thing a black woman cannot do, a black woman cannot raise a black boy to be a man. She can't do that. She can't do that. She can't do that. Black man, where is your soul? A study was released not long ago by Tuskegee Institute, and in this study, it showed how the Ku Klux Klan has killed 3,400 46 black people over an 86-year span of time. That's an awful lot of black people for anybody to kill. But the study also revealed that black people killed that number of black people not once a year. And not 86 years, but every six months. So you multiply times two, the 3,446, that means that we kill 6,000 plus black people every year. And over that 86-year span of time, that equates to us killing among us 500 92,712 black people are killed by black people. It amazes me how it is when the police kills one of us. We're ready to protest, march, destroy innocent property. 
We're ready to loot, steal, whatever we want. But when we kill 100 of us, nobody says anything. Nobody does anything. Black on black crime. We're all doing time. We're locked up in our mind. There's got to be a better way. Wow. Okay. Wow. <clears throat> Tell me what was, uh, let's just go through what he just said. Now, he's the guy in trouble for speaking at Aretha Franklin's funeral. Why? Well, everybody had an opinion. The other preachers all had an opinion. They had an opinion on Donald Trump. They have an opinion on Ariana Grande. Uh, they all had an opinion. What he has is perspective and facts that back up the perspective. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody has an armpit. Doesn't mean I want to smell yours. Everyone has an opinion. Few people have facts and perspective today. Now, let me ask you, what is the bigger problem facing black society or really just society? Is it Donald Trump? That's a big one. You could you could argue that's a big one. It's helping or hurting civilization. You could argue about it all day long, and it's a valid argument. But if Donald Trump is, you know, a giant eagle comes swooping down from the sky and lifts him up and Gandalf is riding the back of this eagle and drops him into, you know, a a lake of fire. Do our problems stop? No, I think they actually get bigger. Nobody told us about the giant eagles and that Gandalf was real. (laughs) It doesn't make our, 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 our country any different we don't solve anything by getting rid of donald trump we don't solve anything i guarantee you if donald trump was hit by a bus today or impeached the same arguments are going to be happening except this time it'll be about mike pence and if it wasn't mike pence it would be mitt romney if it wasn't mitt romney it'd be ronald reagan and if it wasn't ronald reagan it would be uh, bill clinton and if it wasn't bill clinton it would be barack obama Nothing changes. What's the bigger problem? He talks about fatherless homes. 70% of African-American homes are fatherless. Do you realize before the great society, that wasn't true? Do you realize that in, I think it was 1960, African-American homes were the most stable of all homes? What happened? How'd that fall apart? Can we talk about that? He says, women cannot raise a man. Oh my gosh, how controversial. No, actually, no, it's not. A role model is really important. Why do we have big brothers and big sisters? Why, why do people say, well, we need to have somebody, you know, we need to have a woman out there to show other women. Role models are important. A woman cannot model a man. Just like a man cannot model a lady for your children. You're watching your mother. That's how, you, that's how a woman behaves. 
That's what the that's what a boy grows up saying. I want to marry someone like that, whether they like it or not. They do. And the same with the girls. They marry their fathers. Okay. She's what he's saying here is we need a role model in the house. But that's not what her what's heard. How dare you say women can't raise a man? Excuse me? How dare you say it's different? Perspective. Clan has killed 3,400 people over 86 years. Horrible. Not to diminish the horror of the clan, because it's more than just killing. It's terror. But he says, if we really care about things, what about black on black crime? In 86 years, 3,400 people and terror. But what about the terror of living in inner cities? What about the terror of living in an African-American community in the worst part of Chicago? In those same 86 years, 592,712 blacks were killed by blacks. And the same can be said about those uh, areas as well. You're talking, you think terror doesn't exist for oh, those yeah. mothers with no, their kids I know. going to school in those areas? It does. I know. And it doesn't diminish police brutality. It doesn't diminish sexism. It doesn't diminish racism. It's saying, let's get things into perspective here. I mean, you can look at this at it this way. If you were to be able to to reduce black on black violence by ten percent, and or you could pick uh, eliminating completely police on black violence, you would be much better off keeping the police on black violence and getting rid of ten percent of the black on black violence. A lot more black people would be alive if you had those two things to choose from. The right one to do would be to just just take a little bit away. And here's the good thing. Nobody's making you choose. We can do all of those things. Absolutely. But you have to be willing to talk about it. And we don't. Because no one is actually concerned about the problems. One other minor thing. I mean, I know funerals are different around different cultures. But we heard about how bad Donald Trump was and how uh, about black on black violence. Mm hmm. Didn't she die of pancreatic cancer? Like, did did I miss a story where Aretha Franklin was murdered by Donald Trump or killed by a police officer? Was that she died of pancreatic cancer? What? It was just one of a bunch of speeches. I, you know, I have to tell you, I have I to tell you, I, we'll take that on after I <laughs> okay. after I address the McCain funeral, and that's coming up. Now, for most Americans, their home is the biggest investment you're ever going to make. That's why we have Mercury Real Estate's realestateagentsitrust.com. Working with the right agent can make a significant difference in the outcome of buying or selling a home. We have a thousand agents all over America who are just like you. Their word is their bond. They're fans of the show. They share your sensibilities. They're looking for a fair deal. They want the most amount of money, but they don't want to rip anybody off. And they want the best price. But again, they don't, they don't want to rip anybody off the homeowner. Everybody needs to win. 
realestateagentsitrust.com. These are hand-selected agents that have been fully vetted. They know the, uh, the area that you are in. They know how much your home is worth. They're not just going to list it. They will help you uh, do the things to your house and make the suggestions to do things to your house that will increase its value. And then they're going to get it sold on time and for the most amount of money. You want to sell your house? Realestateagentsitrust.com. Put them to the test. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Some really exciting things to uh, share with you coming up in uh, in just a few minutes. Also, uh, have we found out when we're announcing the uh, the tour? I'm going out uh, coming up uh, in six minutes or ten minutes. Okay, I guess in ten minutes we're going to be announcing uh, a tour. I haven't done a a tour in probably five or six years, uh, and we're going to uh, I don't know how many cities, ten or. 12 cities um, across the country. It is coming this fall. Tickets are going to be available. We're going to announce those uh, cities when we come back. Stand by. Glenn Beck. Judges in California have ordered now Sherwin-Williams, the paint company, to pay hundreds of millions of dollars for dangerous advertising. Now, some of their advertisements were for products that included lead paint. All right. Well, lead paint was banned in 1977, and for good reason. So it's fair to say that a company shouldn't be advertising a product that is dangerous to the public, right? I mean, you know. But that's not what's happening here. Sherwin-Williams stopped marketing lead paint in 1943. Okay? 1943. 34 years before it was banned. The judges are basing charges against Sherwin-Williams on ads that ran in the Los Angeles Time and San Diego Union in 1904. Everybody involved in the campaign, everybody who made the paint and painted with the paint, they're all dead. Okay? Now, I'm for companies being held accountable for dangerous or misleading advertising But this feels kind of like a reach, maybe. I mean, just a little bit. The scientific proof didn't even exist in 1904. If the science didn't exist, there certainly weren't any laws regarding lead in paint. They changed the law in 1977. Oh, you remember when kids put plastic bags over their heads and played astronaut? Okay, that was because we were stupid. We didn't know any better. It's a little ridiculous to start finding plastic companies for something so retroactive, but this is a much clearer case. A better example is seatbelts. Cars have been around for a long time uh, before the empirical evidence came out in favor of using seatbelts. Seatbelts weren't even mandatory in, in cars until 1968. People weren't required to use them until even later. All right. Well, Tucker had a seat belt, the first car to have a seat belt in the 1950s. Should we go back and sue all the car companies for advertising cars without seat belts? Jan Jaffe is executive vice president of government relations for the uh, Association of National Advertisers. It's a trade group of marketers filed a brief in support of Sherwin Williams and said, quote, you can't demand companies have clairvoyance. It's the precedent we're concerned about here. We believe that what we're what they're doing in regard to Sherwood Williams 
certainly will apply to many other categories. Wait a minute. If they pass this, could we sue Barack Obama for being for traditional marriage when he was for traditional marriage before it was cool to be for same-sex marriage? It boils down to the balance between justice and mercy. This is a concept we talk about in the book that I've, I've written. It's coming out soon, Addicted to Outrage. Justice, meaning if you break the law or cut in line, you're punished, you're corrected. Justice is essential in society. Without it, civilizations break down. But also, it has to be balanced by mercy. Or the state devolves into a communistic, totalitarian, Stalinist state. It's Tuesday, September 4th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You got to get out of California. You got to get out of California. Have you heard the latest with California on the uh, board of directors for companies? You haven't heard this? Uh, oh, this came out last week. Mm. I love this one. Uh, yeah, they're uh, they're going to pass a law. They're thinking about passing a law, making it a requirement that you include women on the board of directors for every private corporation. So you have to have women on your board of directors. First of all, <laughs> yeah, aren't we uh, in the time where we're not allowed to define a woman as a woman? Uh, well, no. We're in that time now, no, and that's no. the time that everyone's jumping on this. It's crazy, isn't it? Gender. Pr- that is bizarre. I mean, again, affirmative action. Can you even do that? I mean, it, you know, when it comes to can, I, if there's equal opportunity employment, right, mm-hmm. where you're not allowed to favor a man over a woman, but we're going to legally require you favor a woman over a man. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Oh, In the postmodern okay. world, uh, of it, course. That you want to talk about postmodernism. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there it there is. is. OK. I'm a little nervous about this. Uh, I have, uh, we're going to announce a, uh, a tour, which I haven't done a stage tour in it's been a long time. It's longer than six years. I don't think I've been on a tour in many, many years. Uh, but a stage tour. Yeah. I mean, it's been probably five or six years. Oh, it's been longer than that. Really? Yeah. It's been since we were at Fox, I think. Uh, so I, you know. I, 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 I'm, I'm a little nervous, but, um, <laughs> uh, but what the hell throw caution to the wind? What the hell? Uh, so, uh, we're going to do a tour and is, uh, a, uh, a book tour, uh, that is going to start in October and it's going to run almost through, uh, Christmas time. Tickets are going to be available today. Pre-sale only, uh, that starts at 2 PM local time today you can find out all the information and grab your tickets at glenbeck.com slash tour but these are the cities that we are coming to that we have we're ready to announce today i believe we are going to be adding a few more cities uh but uh san antonio october 25th houston october 26th dallas at the majestic great theater october 27th richmond virginia november 1st Hershey, Pennsylvania, November 2nd, Pittsburgh, November 3rd, Cleveland, November 4th, 
my funeral november 5th uh then <laughs> we're gonna be talking about uh about how uh, bad the orange fascist is yeah. and how bad uh black on black violence is those will be the two topics holy cow uh november 13th uh kansas city missouri um november 14th evansville indiana november 15th tulsa oklahoma november 30th tampa florida december 1st orlando florida and uh a few other dates that i'm very excited to uh announce we're gonna be doing something a little bit different i think in those cities uh we'll announce those later can we uh if you want tickets to this thing and you want to see Glenn at some at some point in this tour, he's obviously going to collapse on stage and you want to be at that show. We can't tell you in advance. Yeah, it's kind of like be. I have a friend who went to the <laughs> to the last concert that Elvis did mm-hmm. said he was just a sweaty mess. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, a week later, he died in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And this could be that tour. It could be. This could be that tour. We were going to call it the sweaty Elvis bathroom tour, but they didn't approve it. <laughs> right. Sadly, they thought nobody's going to want to buy that no. uh, ticket. So. Uh, so the tickets go on sale 2 p.m. your local time. You go to glenbeck.com slash tour, glenbeck.com slash tour. And when you get there, you have to use the pre-sale password, the blaze. Uh, on here, it's all one word. So I would try that. Okay. Uh, the, the blaze, all one word. Those are for pre-sale. It'll go on, you know, for regular sale in the next couple of days, I assume. But. Yeah. So they're offering it to, uh, you know, listeners of this program a few days in advance. So you can get in, get the best seats at 2 p.m. today, glenbeck.com slash tour. The password is the blaze. The blaze. Um, can you talk about the, do you know what the packages are? Because there's several different, there's several different things that we're doing. I swear to you, it's dead within the first week. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a couple packages there. Uh, the VIP, which gets you a meet and greet, you know, photographs, a personalized signed copy of Addicted to Outrage. Uh, some, you know, early entry, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, the elite, because we just, we, yeah, we want to cater to the elites. We're like, yeah, you, you're an elite. You listen I, to this program, you're an elite. I yeah. kind of agree with Trump's analysis on elite, that it's it's got a bad rap for no reason. What, what, what do you try to do? When you're in the NFL, you try to become an elite quarterback. The idea that you want to become elite is uh, something that we should strive for. Not you know we, we've played into this left wing thing that being an elitist is bad. I want to be an elitist. I aspire to be one <laughs> someday. I hope to get there. I don't know if I want to be an elitist. I do, but I would like to be elite. I, I like want to, to be, be an elitist. A member of the elite. I want to be so elite that I can't even see the normally rich people <laughs> below me. That's how elite I want to be. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is great. I'm working on it. I'm okay. not, not close yet. Well, I know the ticket that you should buy then. <laughs> there okay. You go. All right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just uh, regular assigned seating uh, tickets uh, also available. I'd really like to see you. This is going to be a very, very different tour than anything that we've ever done. Uh, we, we have, you know, oof, I just haven't been nervous. It's been a while since uh, we, we normally don't let you out around people it's not, i know it doesn't always work out well very nervous um you're not comfortable around people but your stage shows are good i think it's because you're not one-on-one interacting with them when you well, have it's, we, this we, one's different well yeah but i think this. you're gonna do you usually these shows are usually really good shows no the shows are really good that doesn't mean that i'm good in them but the shows are That's really true. good it's a it is a spectacle one way or another yeah you're gonna go that i got my money's worth mm-hmm. uh you know i didn't expect people to set him on fire um 
And then for him just to spontaneously put himself out with his own sweat, I didn't expect that, but it was worth the money. It was a Shyamalan-like twist yeah. there yeah. with the sweat putting out the fire. All right, so if you want to buy the tickets, uh, and please tell a friend, and uh, I hope to see you there. A very different tour, Addicted to Outrage. Uh, all the details at glenbeck.com slash Addicted to Outrage. <sighs> okay. I want to talk to you about a couple of things that uh, I read over the uh, the vacation break uh, that I think uh, are so clarifying, and and it gives me a lot of hope because I, I there's a there is a direction. You know, I have the addicted to outrage coming out, and I've found three books just in the in the last week that are pretty much supporting legs to the book that I've written. I wrote a a general book that says, okay, so we're addicted to outrage. Here's the scientific evidence that shows it. Here's how it's working. Here's how these, these companies or these parties are, are using these things. Here's why it's so destructive in your own personal life. Here's why it's really destructive to our society here are the things that we should be talking about. And here's how we can get away from all of that. I've read a couple of books um, over the uh, holiday that I want to share with you that uh, go deeper in parts of what is in Addicted to Outrage. That really, I think, um, if you're a voracious reader, uh, you should put these on on your list. The gateway drug, I think, is addicted to outrage. The the supporting evidence is is quite it's starting to become uh, quite apparent to many, many really deep thinkers from both the left and the right, which I think is is telling and exciting. I'll go into that here in just a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. We are thrilled uh, to have as a sponsor American Finance. Now, American Financing is a group of uh, people, is a family-owned and operated um, uh, group that is now nationwide, huge. They've, they've grown so big because they treat people right. They don't have any of their salespeople, if you will, their financial um, uh, loan officers being paid on commission. So nobody is is trying to sell you a certain kind of loan because the banks don't give you a loan. They sell you a loan. And you realize that once you're signing the loan papers and you're like, how much is this costing me in the end? You see it through the interest payment. So owning your own home, uh, coming up with the right Payment coming up with the right loan instrument for you is really important and can be done by people who are working for you if you go through AmericanFinancing.net. They don't work for the bank, they work for you. AmericanFinancing.net. You're going to close fast, you're going to get pre approval really super fast. Uh, and when, when they actually have to uh, underwrite, it's all in house decision making. It's American Financing. 
AmericanFinancing.net. Call them now, AmericanFinancing.net, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Glenn Beck. <laughs> We are just talking about the uh, tour. We just announced, if you just tuned us in, we just announced a, uh, what is it, a 12-city tour. Um, and uh, it's Tulsa, Tampa, Orlando, Evansville, Indiana, Kansas City, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, Richmond, Virginia, San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas. More cities to come. It's going to be really funny. It uh, is going to be funny. Yeah. I mean, there's so much material out oh, there right now. I've been collecting material for this tour for months. Yeah. For my, I can't wait to show you. I've 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 brought some new stuff in. I cannot wait to show you. It's we've been we've been looking for, and I I would ask that you would do this for us uh, or with us. Uh, we're looking for people the craziest outrage where you can't. Have you ever read those posts where you're like, I can't believe they're actually outraged by this and they are really very upset about something that is totally meaningless we're looking for the most outrageous tweets and comments on facebook etc etc and if you could send them to us uh just uh, just tweet addicted to outrage addicted to outrage hashtag addicted to outrage uh, and send us those uh, because we're going to be using the best of those on tour. And it's I think you're going to enjoy I think you're going to enjoy the selection we already have. Yeah. And I think that's something to collect. I love doing those stories of, of people because you see this on the left so often. I mean, it happens everywhere. But on the left, when they just get so outraged about the most nonsensical thing from, you know, for we showed in that funeral of of, of someone listing the statistics about violence in a community. And that was offensive we saw you know you see people about a certain pronoun if they're called the wrong pronoun they get upset cynthia nixon uh Mm -hmm. is in the news she's um she is running for governor Governor uh, in new york and she has come out and said she's offended because people say she if she won she'd be the first lesbian governor of new york and she wants people to know she is not a lesbian she is queer like that now it's a Shut up. What used to be shut an up. insult is shut now, up. I don't even know. Yeah, I know. And it kind of seems shut like up. the definition, as they went through it in the article, was like, it's just kind of open-ended. Yeah. It means it kind of means whatever. There, there might be a just shut up section to the show. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure where, you know, the uh, catchphrase is shut up. Mm. Or how about the mom that was investigated because if twice. Because she let her eight-year-old child walk their dog oh, yeah, yeah. around the block. Yeah. First, the police came. And I guess the police were like, all right. Because they, they got a call. They had to show up. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much handled it right. Okay. We obviously see there's nothing there. But then it was uh, Child and Family Services followed up. Yeah. And they checked in I to wanna... make sure this eight-year-old couldn't walk a dog by himself. Mm-hmm. I, 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 oh, I've got a lot to say about that. We'll uh, take that here in a second. Let me go first to Peter in California. Hello, Peter. Good morning, Mr. Beck. How are you? Um, I am very well today. Um, when are you coming to the West Coast? 
I'm happy to organize human shields for you. <laughs> uh, I uh, um, the, the West Coast is is not off the table. There's a, a few dates and a few cities that we're still looking at, uh, trying to get the uh, the right place. Um, and uh, we're we're if we do come to the West Coast, we're going to be doing something. Uh, very unique that I think you're really going to like. A lot of the theaters book up really early for Christmas dates as we get closer yeah. and closer to the holiday. There's so many yeah. Christmas shows that are on the road. And we are going to do one massive Christmas show. And we'll tell you about that. That has not been announced yet. But do one massive Christmas show. Find all the de- uh, the details at glenbeck.com for the tour. Uh, question here from uh, Liberty Cannon. Uh, they write. Uh, oh, Liberty Cannon? Yes, right. Yeah. Is this tour part of Glenn's new weight loss program? Will you be walking the tour, or are you going to use transportation? How, how's I, that gonna... I hope to come out in one mm-hmm. of those little, you know, wheelchair things that they use at the shopping, you know, or uh, like with it, the carts. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I could get it rented. I'm going to be in Orlando. Might as well get it from Disney and just kind of wheel out on the stage. You're going to do the, the show stage. in one of the. Yeah, don't you think? Actually, it would be really I mean, funny. <laughs> <laughs> and we could say it's a joke and part of the show. Right, it's I'm not. I'm sitting because this is entertaining. <laughs> That'll be great. No, it's just that I'm so fat I can't walk anymore. That's it. I'm so fat because I drink, and I only drink because I'm fat. <laughs> what we could do is we say you're doing the entire uh, tour in a fat suit that you will never remove. <laughs> That, that be, is true. That, <laughs> that is actually true. I do. I may not be alone in this one, but I do have a fat suit. In fact, I have several fat suits. <laughs> I have a lot of skinny suits, too, that don't fit me anymore, but a few fat suits, and I will be wearing them. Addicted to outrage. Yes, in case you want to be addicted to outrage, here's an eight-year-old who's not able to do the most normal, cheerful thing in the world, and that is walk around the block with your dog. Apparently, uh, when the uh, little girl got home, and I mean she was little, uh, she got home and the doorbell rang. It was the police. Mom was called uh, in to, uh, to answer a few questions uh, that the police had for her because they had gotten a call about an unsupervised child. <clears throat> the, uh, the child was eight. She walked, the, she walked the dog around the block. Eight. Uh, now, this, this happened in, uh, is it Wilmette, Illinois? Wilmette, Illinois, is 59% lower uh, crime rate than the national average. It's safer than 83% of the cities in the United States. For every 100,000 people, there are only 3.1 daily crimes that occur in Wilmette. This is not like Detroit or Chicago. What's your earliest memory of doing something as a kid? I know because we moved to a different house uh, before I started first grade. So I had to be in kindergarten. And I know that my mom or my dad, uh, had it had to be my mom, gave me some money and said, go run up to the corner store and just get a gallon of milk. And I remember lugging that milk back and it being heavy. I'm six, maybe seven, six, probably. 
Nobody called the police on me, and you're safe. You're safe. What's the earliest memory you have? It's interesting. Right around that same age, I, I probably moved when we were when I was seven, so it was before that in the the, the old town I lived in. Uh, and I remember walking to the corner store all the time. Yeah. We'd go to the arcade. So there. you had to they be had six? Five, six, seven, something like that. And then right. also, I remember you know walking around with a friend in, in the center of town. to have this one memory that I have there, but that had to be... I mean, I, we were just in the middle of town. It was it had to be a couple miles from where I lived. I don't remember how we, we got there. We were all over town. By the time I was yeah. eight, nine, we were all over town. We'd ride our bikes anywhere. Yeah. And now people have this this view that, well, no, things are so dangerous. No, they're not. No, they're not. Much less dangerous. Much, much less dangerous. I mean, when I, I think of this all the time when I see a school shooting or something like that, these terrible things that go on, and I think, oh, my God, my kids are in school and they're in danger. And that's, it's an honest and instant parental reaction uh, when something like that happens. However, when I went to high school, I was three times more likely to be shot at school. Actually, it's four times, four times more likely to be shot at school than I, than I would than my kids are today. Four times as likely. I was in much more danger when I went to school than my kids are when they are going to school. And it's it just doesn't feel that way. But I mean, no, we've crime got, we've rates got, have come way way down. The 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 bulletproof uh, backpacks they can't keep them in stock bulletproof backpacks for kids at school you're four times less likely to be shot today than you were in the 90s if you're going to school crime at school school shootings actually down by 80 percent that's crazy yeah and I never, I didn't feel in danger of a school shooting no. when I went to high school. No, I, you know, I not at all. It, the, the, I think the problem is now is social media. It, it, we're seeing all of these little things from all over the country, and so they just feel like they're here. No, no, it's not. And even when they are big things, they get fifty times the amount oh, of yeah. coverage. Uh, than they did and we're there's this there's three books i want you to uh well four counting mine if you're a voracious reader <laughs> be typical for you to promote three other people's books two weeks before your own book release einstein <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh okay addicted to outrage my book comes out in uh two weeks please pre-order addicted to outrage this is I really feel I was just writing to somebody uh, last night. I, I really feel. You know, people have said to me for a long time. OK, so all right. So what's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? I, I feel like we have it again. When I when I first went to Fox, when I was at CNN, I was searching for an answer. In that time at CNN, I had done my homework and I had found progressivism. And I was like, ah, that's the answer. That's what's happening to us. And here's how you could combat it. And we did an effective job in combating and exposing progressivism. Once it's exposed, once you know what it is, things change. This is even easier to win if it's exposed. But nobody even understands it. Nobody really even gets what's happening. Nobody is talking about it. And it is so very clear once you know what it is. That if you don't break the addiction, if you don't break the habit of shoving back, shouting back, or getting angry, it's going to conquer us.
But once we know it, you can win. So please uh, pre-order Addicted to Outrage. There's a couple of other books. One comes out today. I just finished it uh, last uh, last evening. The Coddling of the American Mind by Greg Lukanoff and Jonathan Haidt. This is this is so great uh, because it, it not only makes the case of what's going on, but then at the end, it talks about your children in particular. And it says one of the steps that they they take, they say there are three great untruths and these these untruths have to be uh, conquered. First one is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger not in today's society whatever kills whatever doesn't kill you makes you weaker it's we're coddling our children okay that 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 injustice it didn't kill you but don't talk about it don't 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 let anybody bring that up don't because it'll oppress you even more so whatever doesn't kill you makes you weaker it's absolutely untrue second Trust your feelings. No, Luke, don't always trust your feelings. Sometimes you should put the little computer thing down in front of you. Sometimes maybe not. But your feelings, especially when anger is involved, can screw up the truth. And the last great untruth is life is just a battle between good people and evil people. Not true. Most people are misguided. Most people haven't really thought things through. Most people are not evil. Most people on the left are not evil. Most people on the right are not evil. Yes, there are some. But that's not most people. And by teaching and by by allowing ourselves to uh, grab on to, well, they're my enemy. They're my enemy. They're evil. By grabbing on to that, we are teaching our children that there is, there, is, there is only defeat. We have to defeat the opposite side. There's no room to coexist because you can't coexist with evil. But coming back to the, um, coming back to the, eighth, uh, the eight-year-old, You have to encourage your children to go out and do things. We should be encouraging our children. We are crippling our children. The big turn in college campuses was 2013. And the research shows that in 1995, that's when things really changed with parenting. Parenting became a, a protective order. And that's where everybody started to become way overprotective. The helicopter parents had been around for a while, but that's when everything started to dogpile. You, could, you had to have a ribbon and a trophy for anybody who even lost. 1995. Well, those kids, uh, those kids entered college in 2013. So as those kids entered college, that's why we're seeing this this world where they can't handle anything. They can't handle having an opposing opinion. They they can't handle it. 
the, the opposing opinion, no, that hurts my feelings. No, that makes me feel bad. That makes me question something that I believe, and that doesn't feel good to me. And that's why you have to literally, they're almost nurseries on college campuses where some of them actually have, you know, nippies or what do you, you know, the, the pacifiers for college students. This starts with you. Correcting this problem starts with you saying to your kid, it's okay. The neighborhood's safe. You have to do enough research to know if the neighborhood is safe or not, but it is most likely safe. Crime and everything else is way down. There are concerns, but you have a better chance of your children falling into deep trouble online than you do having them walk to the store. So get your kids to ride their bike. Get your kids to ride their bike to school. Let your kid take small risks more and more. My, my son, well, I'm not going to tell you. The, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I'm afraid, you know, child services will come down. <laughs> my son did something that I did when I was 10. He's almost 14. We were out at the, we were out at the farm, and I'll tell you part of it. He drove the big tractor. I mean, we have a big tractor for the farm. He drove the big tractor and he, he leveled the driveway and all of the paths, you know, you take the, you know, and regrade the whole thing by himself driving a big piece of machinery. And I have to tell you, part of me was, I was like, I can't, I can't, I mean, is he responsible? I mean, it's a huge piece of machinery. I, you know, I don't know if he's responsible enough. And then I, I remembered I used to do this when I was a kid. It's just, it's, it's our training that we've been indoctrinated and fed all this crap about our children that they, they are not capable. Yes, they are. George Washington went out and was surveying by himself in Indian territory with bear and everything else with no gun at like 13 or 12 years old. Hello, your kid can't ride his bike to the, of course, of course they can. And don't let anybody, you know who I really want to talk to is, um, uh, who is the woman that started the free range children? Oh yeah. Lenore Skenazy. I love her. Yeah. I love her. I'd like to, I'm, I'm at a place now where I really want to talk to her. She's great. And we actually had her on, uh, on the TV show while you were out. Uh, oh, did you day. really? Yeah, uh, to talk about this eight-year-old story. Uh, What'd she say about this? Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, she she outlined how ridiculous this is. This is in her own hometown uh, that that oh, that happened. Uh, yeah, her, where she grew up, and as as you point out, it's a lot safer than most of America, and this stuff still continues to go on. And she actually cited a couple of cases that were even more disturbing about how uh, it's starting to play out around the world. Uh, in India, this sort of stranger danger thing, and they, they've edited now, uh, they took a public service announcement that was supposed to be about showing a kid getting kidnapped, and the point was, hey, mm-hmm. watch your kids. They edited out the ending where it showed it was a public service announcement, so it looks like a real video of some kid being caught. It was being shared like crazy on social media in India, and like a couple dozen people were murdered. 
because they just showed up to areas and they were unfamiliar and people thought those people are that they're trying to abduct kids and they were killing them. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's incredible. It's really unbelievable. It's unbelievable. We have to root ourselves back into common sense. We are crippling our children by not treating them uh, with more respect. They can accomplish these things. They need to. What are you going to show up and and drive them to school when they're 20? What's the plan? July 2017, Bitcoin down 40%. Palm Beach Letter is our sponsor this half hour. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, Tika Tawari expert. He's an expert in in those uh, things, uh, Bitcoin and and, uh, cryptocurrency. He wrote uh, in the Palm Beach letter about an announcement that would bring enormous amounts of money into Bitcoin. At the time, Bitcoin was trading at about 1850 a coin. He said Bitcoin would hit 10,000 by the end of the year. People thought he was nuts. He has just made another prediction uh, for this year. And what is Bitcoin doing now? Is it's it, been up. It's it's had a couple a good couple of weeks here, up uh, over seven thousand. He's he says Bitcoin by Christmas could be forty thousand dollars. Yeah, that I mean he's running out of time on this one. I'd like to have him on. Yeah, he's going to be on this week, I believe. Is he? Mm-hmm. I'd like Let, to hear I, what's happened because he's because he says there are things that are coming. That this is what he does for a living. And he said, you're watching him. And I'm telling you, all of the big banks, all of the big investment houses, they're all they're driving the price down by what they're saying publicly. And they're buying up hordes of it right now. This is when the rich get richer because they don't pay attention to what's happening in the mainstream. Anyway, that's his theory. Uh, I want you to visit smartcryptocourse.com if you want to find out more about investing in cryptocurrency, what Bitcoin is, how it works, uh, why it's such a big part of the future. Go to smartcryptocourse.com or call 877-PBL-BECK, 877-PBL-BECK or smartcryptocourse.com. Well, the, uh, the trial is starting, and I mean trial. The uh, witch hunt on uh, Kavanaugh uh, has started today. They're just going to, you know, the senators are going to do what they always do. Blah, 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 So blah. meaningless. And all the 2020 Democratic hopefuls are all lining up to try to see who can be most anti-Kavanaugh. Who can do the most to not even let the hearings start? They're really all trying to do that in a competition against each other. So they can all prove that they're really loyal to the Democratic yeah. Socialists you know, in 2020. I've been away for, you know, what, 12 days? Didn't miss it? No, didn't miss no. any of that. No. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything to anybody's life. No. Uh-uh. Didn't miss it. Glenn Beck. It's Tuesday, September 4th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. I have a little test for you. My wife and I were having a conversation uh, last night, and the kids are in the truck. And they were like, uh, Dad, where are you getting these facts? I said, the United Nations, World Health Organization, you know, all of the places that, of course, are just run by conservatives. Uh, and nobody in the family believed me. I'm going to give you a little test. It's from a book I'm reading called Factfulness. 10 reasons why we're wrong about the world. Stu, in all low-income countries across the world today, how many girls finish primary school in all low-income countries across the world today? 
Is it 20%, 40%, or C, 60%? Uh, 60 seems high. I mean, you think about places like Iran, right? I mean, like... All low-income countries. Right, so I'll say 40. Feel pretty good about that? No, I don't feel good about any of this. 60%. Was it really? 60% in That's... all low-income I mean, obviously, room for improvement, but that's better than I think most people would think it is. Where does the majority of the world population live? In low-income countries, middle-income countries, or high-income countries? Uh, Well, it's pretty much China and India. (laughs) That's where most of the people live. So I would, I guess you'd consider them to be middle-income? Middle-income countries. All right. Middle income. This is the biggest lie that people, uh, um, this, this, this professor that wrote this said in 1995, he said, I started asking my students questions about the perception of the world. And he said, you know, this is what I do for a living. He said, so I knew the stats and I was shocked that the kids were relating to a world that was from the 1960s. It's like it was 30-year-old data, you know, that most people live in poverty, that they're haves and have-nots. Mm-hmm. He's like, in, in, in the 1960s, haves and have-nots, 1970s. By the 1990s, that was barely true. Now, it's absolutely not true. He said, so in the 1990s, this is the test that he gave. He started his class with this test. He said, let me, let me just ask you these questions. He found that uh, a very small percent actually knew the answers, except for a couple. And I'll get to them here in a second. But it shows that there is either a concerted effort, which I believe there is, uh, or there is something inside of us that just says, no, I don't want to believe that that's true. Because the facts are very clear. We're no longer living in that have and have not world. Let me give you some more evidence here. Uh, In the last 20 years, the proportion of the world's population living in extreme poverty has A, almost doubled, B, remained more or less the same, or C, almost halved. Now, you know, I'm a person who just read Steven Pinker. A Dude to Outrage has a lot of this in there. Yes. Uh, Arthur Brooks, Human Progress. I mean, I saw him in this. I would say definitely less. Yeah. Almost have. It's incredible. So so think of this. It's one of the greatest human achievements. It is. (laughs) This is one of the greatest achievements of all of humankind. You know, we're, we're arguing about whether we show the flag on, you know, in that stupid, you know, first man or whatever it is, the moon movie. Okay, Whatever. This is important. In the last 20 years, the proportion of the world population living in extreme poverty has almost been cut in half. Incredible. Incredible achievement. I believe the number is 70% of people believe it's it's gotten worse over that period. Yes. Yes. So 70% think it's gotten worse. It's it's been cut in half Been cut in half. Okay. How do and, we not celebrate and, that every day? Well, because it's, it's, because you have to have two worlds. You have to have the Western world, who is gluttonous, and you have to have the rest of the world that's living in extreme poverty. Right. You have to have the haves and have-nots. But it's not that's not the world today. All right. Next. 
life expectancy of the world today? Is it 50 years, 60 years, or 70 years? Life expectancy. Think of this, the entire planet. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the lowest life expectancy, I believe, is in Swaziland, which is around 40. So it can't be 50. That's the lowest. It's got to be 60 or 70. 70 does seem high, but the I'll go, I'll go 70. 70. Yeah. 70. You only know this because we've done so yeah, much research yeah, yeah. recently. First, because a lot of this is in, in the uh, book. Uh, addicted to outrage. I just read it. So, but but I mean, what's interesting though is this is supposed this is designed for your average college student. Yes, can it you is. imagine a kid who came up in the public school system and comes out of uh, you know public high school and goes into college with this information? They would get every one of these wrong. I mean, I, I don't. It's oh yeah, only no, he because says, we've been studying no, no, no. it lately yeah, yeah. that you, that even I think the most of the audience might be like, all right, yep. maybe it's a little better than we expect. Yep. The U.N. predicts by 2100, the world population will have increased by another 4 billion people. What is the main reason? There will be more children, there will be more adults, or there will be, very, uh, there will be many more very old people 75 years or older. Well, I think I would say there, there'd be more of all three categories, right? More children, more, more adults as those children grow up, and then and more old people because of the advances in keeping people alive longer. According to the UN, B, there will be more adults, 15 to 74, which leads me to the next. There are 2 billion children in the world today, age 0 to 15. How many children will there be in the year 2100, according to the United Nations? There's 2 billion children, according to the UN. 2 billion children today. How many will there be in 100 years or 80 years? Uh, Four billion, three billion, two billion. I would say at least three. Uh, in, in two billion. Two billion. Same. That's interesting. So two billion. That's a commentary on birth rates, I guess. Uh, yes, birth rates, hmm. and and uh, the life expectancy on the whole getting a little broader. Hmm. How did the number of deaths per year from natural disasters change over the last hundred years? Hmm. Natural disaster deaths more than doubled, remained about the same, or decreased to less than half. Decreased to less than half. That less one I know. than half. Yeah, incredible. It's and it's. But when he says less than half, he's understating it. It's way less than half. Yeah, it's like eighty or it's like over ninety percent. If I'm remembering the stat right, this is from 1995. Okay, yeah. So this is from. It might not have been that yeah. much then. Yeah. Um, roughly seven billion people in the world today. Which map best show? I can't do the map thing. Um, how many the of the B. world's B. the map was B. How, how many of the world's one year old children today have been vaccinated against some disease? 20 percent, 50 percent, 80 percent. Vaccinations. 20 seems low. 80 seems optimistic uh, from any illness. Mm-hmm. Disease. Uh, I guess go in the middle there. 50, 80, 80 percent. That's great. Worldwide, 30-year-old men have spent 10 years in school on average. How many years worldwide have women of the same age spent in school? Now, what is what is what does everybody say? Women, I mean, basically the rest of the world is and this one turning into it uh, is handmaid's tale. So they don't Correct. get to go to school, they don't get to do anything. That's, this is worldwide. Mm-hmm. Men have 10 years in school worldwide. How many do women have? 9, 6 or 3? Three seems really low. Uh, six, maybe. I, I, I mean, I might even go to nine on that one. But that's... nine worldwide, only one year less. Nine. 
Now, the sh- now obviously, think of that. That includes Afghanistan. Right. Iran. Right. I mean, like all the North Korea. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of places around the world that would bring that average down. 1996, tigers, giant pandas, black rhinos were listed as endangered. How many of these three species are more critically endangered today? Two of them, one of them, none of them. You know, I, these numbers are, again, I'm positive on this stuff. I would yeah. say one. No, none. 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 Mm-hmm. How many people in the world have some access to electricity? 20%, 50%, 80%. Some access. Uh, it's, uh, maybe 80%. 80%. Yeah. 80%. Here's one. That's incredible, though. Here's I mean, one. We brush over these things, but, you know, I think every high school or college student in America would say all three of those species were worse yes. off. And, and they would say maybe, maybe they would say 50% electricity, probably more like 20%, they would think. Here's the one he says everyone gets right. Everyone gets right. Uh oh. Global climate experts believe that over the next 100 <laughs> years, the average temperature will A, get warmer, B, remain the same, or C, get colder. You know what? Get colder. I want to be the one person getting it wrong. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Everyone gets that right. They all say warming. Correct. That's the indoctrination. That, that's Green Week for you. That's, that's when an entire network turns over its programming to promote global warming as the worst danger that humanity can face when and that's just just them i mean companies do it school schools do it organizations do it and it's this constant barrage of this they miss the greatest human achievement the moon was great i'm not i'm not, I'm not downplaying the moon but it doesn't forget the movie about the moon the moon journey itself incredible human accomplishment nothing even close to what we've done with poverty over the past 20 years not even close they say we've saved billions of people's lives and yet what do they know about global warming that is so freaking typical that is a that is a wonderful example so of where we are so here's the thing mm. um this is this goes across all categories this is not just college students this goes across all categories okay throughout the world no one is recognizing this however it's beyond guessing it shows our how pessimistic we are. Getting chimps to pick A, B, or C, random, chimpanzee in the zoo. Get them to say A, B, or Z, or pick A, B, or C. You ask them 12, 12 questions. They should get four right out of the first 12. 33% mm-hmm. chance. They should get four right. A chimp. Uh, we get two. Humans get two out of the 12. Chimps mm. will do better on this test than we do. What is the bias? Wow. Where is the bias coming from? How is that even possible? It's really quite easy to understand. If you have a society that is constantly feeding this poison over and over again, If you have a society that is not looking for nor really willing to consume the good things, you know, no show is ever on. that's like, hey, look at the good things that are happening around the world. Nobody would watch that. Right. So we're not predisposed to watching it. Mm -hmm. We have our schools teaching the opposite because they want to collapse capitalism 
and the Western way of life. So you can't say good things about, you know, the West and capitalism. You're, nobody is educated. You must educate yourself or we are going to throw away the greatest thing mankind has ever done. We are going to be remembered as absolutely insane individuals. And we are acting insane. If you if you look at what we're tweeting about last last uh, hour, I asked you to hashtag addicted to outrage. I want you to look for the most the, the tweets where you where you look at and go, really? I mean, this is beyond a first world problem. You're concerned. You're outraged by that. I want you to find left and right. I want you to find the craziest tweets and the f- craziest comments from Facebook. And I want you to tweet them to us. We're going to use it on our tour. We announced a tour um, uh, just about an hour ago. We're going to, I think, 12 different cities. We'll give those to you here in just a second. Um, but uh, we're going to use those on the tour and we're going to use them on the air because uh, we've been collecting them for a while. It, it, they're crazy. It's crazy. We, it's not going to be hard to make the case that we are crazy. Historians will look at it this way until they realize, wait a minute, there also was research done on these people at this time that shows they were actually addicted, literally addicted to being outraged. That is about the first, maybe third of this book, the science behind the addiction and what we're addicted and how it's being done to us and how we're playing into it. But my new book, Addicted to Outrage, goes a lot further than that. How we're addicted, why it's bad for us, what we should be paying attention to, and how to untangle ourselves from this mess. Addicted to Outrage, it's available uh, in, uh, in all bookstores in about two weeks. You can pre-order your copy now at glenbeck.com or at uh, Amazon or wherever books are sold. I want to tell you about LifeLock. LifeLock, our, um, our sponsor this half hour, they, they have a new forecast that predicts more than 146 billion records are going to be stolen by cyber criminals over the next five years. The U.S., the largest single target during the time. Now, even with this forecast, spending on cybersecurity uh, looks to say stay relatively flat. We're not spending any more as people, and the federal government isn't. Small businesses are also going to be particularly vulnerable as many spend less than $500 a year on their cybersecurity. There are so many threats out there, and you don't have to spend a buttload of money. You just have to spend it wisely. The new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection now is adding the power of Norton Security to help protect you against the threats to your identity and to your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. Nobody can stop all cyber threats, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock with the new Norton Security can see the threats that you might miss on your own and then fix them. LifeLock.com. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK. Get an extra 10% off of your first year, plus a $25 Amazon gift certificate with annual enrollment. That's promo code BECK. Promo code BECK at uh, LifeLock.com. 1-800-LIFELOCK. LifeLock.com. Terms and conditions to apply. 
Welcome to the program. We are um, going on tour for the first time in many years, uh, and we've announced, I think, 12 cities uh, to kick off the tour, and it'll start in October. It's our Addicted to Outrage uh, tour uh, happening at a stage or a theater near you. October 25th in San Antonio, the 26th in Houston, October 27th in Dallas, then November 1st in Richmond, the 2nd in Hershey, and the 3rd in Pittsburgh, the 4th in Cleveland, November 13th in Kansas City, November 14th in Evansville, Indiana, uh, November 15th in Tulsa, and then November 30th in Tampa and Orlando, December 1st. Uh, the way to get tickets is going to theglenbeck.com slash tour, and when you get there, it's a pre-sale, so you got to have the code to get the tickets. The pre-sale password is the blaze. Okay. And uh, that pre-sale begins at 2 p.m. local time uh, today. So the pre-sale, 2 p.m. local time. Remember, to be able to get the pre-sale tickets, uh, it's just for this audience. So you'll have to use the promo code, the blaze, all one word. Um, and again, that's 2 p.m. your time. Uh, and there will be some uh, additional uh, tour dates uh, that are going to be announced here. Um, as we go on uh, addicted to outrage you don't want to miss it it's going to be a lot of fun we have i'm going to hopefully announce some uh, uh an additional kind of fun thing uh tomorrow uh on the tour and Stu's going to be coming with and and it's going to be i'm seeing this as uh, much more interactive um with you uh and when we've ever done interactive shows they can get a little dicey they can get a little dicey. Have you noticed that in the past? I have noticed that in the past. Uh, and uh, and uh, and I, I think we have some things planned that are going to be a lot of fun and a lot of laughs. Uh, so uh, so come and bring a friend. Bring, you know, bring somebody who they they think they hate me. I mean, unless it's Donald Trump, because I know he does. So unless it's him, he probably absolutely does. But... <laughs> Everybody else, bring somebody that they're like, no, no, bring them. And we'll confirm their hatred. Yes. That's right. They will either look at you and go, I told you, or (laughs) more likely they're going to go, that makes sense. That made sense to me. I get it. That's the thing about common sense. It's usually supposed to be common. Yeah, not so much anymore. It doesn't seem like that's the case. No, it's very uncommon. Anymore. uh, As you just said, with that, you know, that test of, of, uh, that the college professors give the students, and what's is so interesting about it is it should be the biggest story in the world. Every day should be the biggest story in the world about how we've alleviated poverty for 2 billion people. There's, there's nothing even remotely close to that. World Health Organization says it's not starvation. It's now obesity is the biggest threat to global health. Obesity. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Welcome to the program. I want to talk a little bit about Nike here. Um, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, th- this is so ridiculous. This is so ridiculous. People comparing him to Muhammad Ali. No, he's not Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, I mean, went to jail. Um, you he's know, also good at his sport. It's yeah, another thing. You know, the, the guy was at the top of his game and uh, and went to jail and stood for something because he believed in it. And he took all kinds of political hits uh, from people, but he stood by it and he believed it. Okay. How can you possibly compare Colin Kaepernick to Muhammad Ali? If you're insane, you can compare them. Yes. I mean, and, yes, he's saying something that some people don't like, which is about the only similarity. And honestly, you know, the thing he's saying 
like wearing, you know, socks that uh, depict cops as pigs, uh, you know, should be disliked by Americans. And they are. A lot of I mean, it's it's not it's not that he's kneeling down for the, the, you know, for the flag or, you know, it's it's not. Look, I'm not going to let my emotions be assigned to somebody else. If somebody else is if somebody else wants to be a jerk and not stand for the national anthem, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And, you know, maybe maybe. Maybe somebody has a good point. I don't think he does. I think this is just this is nothing more than publicity for him. Hmm. Uh, and it's a it's a lifestyle choice. And and I think he is a um, I think he's misguided. But if that's what he wants to do, I don't really care. I really don't care. He's a he moron. Doesn't, he I, doesn't change my view yeah. of the country and he's not going to change my experience. Right. And that's an important part of this. First of all, what's one thing that's important here? Is because they can kneel at any time they want, right? Mm-hmm. They're not. They're kneeling during the anthem because it's specifically about the country and the anthem. And they keep saying, "Well, you don't understand." No, it's not. It's about injustice. If it was about injustice, you could you could kneel before the opening kickoff when the anthem wasn't going on, and everyone would say, "Wow, they must be kneeling for injustice." It's the anthem is an important part of it. And to go further than this, Kaepernick being the hero of this movement is an even bigger signal of what it's about. He's the only one of all these guys. That wore socks depicting police officers as pigs. Malcolm Jenkins is the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been protesting as, about as long as, uh, as Colin Kaepernick. But he's done it in a respectful way and he's done it in a smart way. And right. he, hasn't been, he hasn't been you know, inflaming tensions against police because of it. I mean, if I'm a police officer today, how do I feel about Nike? It's because it's not about kneeling. Yeah, it's not about kneeling. It's not about kneeling. It's about wearing socks that depict police officers as pigs that the the whole mentality that uh police officers are all bad that's that's not true it's not it's just not true but i think you have to avoid an easy trap being set by you uh for you by the world which is we allow others to control our actions if we react to every person who has a ridiculous viewpoint by changing our life. For example, this is a story about Nike. Now, Nike's lost over $3 billion in, uh, in market cap today. Uh, and they were about flat for the past week. So the indication is it's got something to do with this $3 potential boycott. billion mm-hmm. dollars wiped off the table. Right. And I think a lot of people would say, look, good. They made a thing about Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. and they lost $3 billion. Good for us. So, and maybe that's, if, if that's really how you feel, you can, you can do that. But listen to this. This is the first tweet as they're kind of going through the, you know, people tweeting about this story that they feature in this Reuters article. First, the NFL forces me to choose between my favorite sport and my country. I choose country. Then Nike forces me to choose between our, my favorite shoes and my country. And I chose country again. Now, I think we can all look at that and say, I, if I've got that choice, I'm choosing country on both of those two. Over Nike or football? Of course I'm choosing the country. This is the country. But what we forget is that we're letting them dictate the choice. the choice. They are dictating the choice structure. Listen to the wording of this. First, the NFL forces me. Why are you letting the NFL force you to do anything? They have no power over you at all. You're, you're telling me, let's say the NFL is making you make this choice. No, they're not. You're making the choice. Nike's not forcing you to do They're a stupid well, shoe company. They right. can't force you to do anything. So they're, they're, what they're saying, though, is, you know, <clears throat> this is where people are claiming to be powerless 
uh, well, they're forcing me the NFL because I want to watch football. Well, you can. You can watch it's right football. there. You can watch football. You can watch it without the national anthem. And if you feel badly about it because of what the NFL has done, then don't watch football. But you can't have it both ways. You know, if you're going to if you if that creates cognitive dissidence in you that you're supporting an organization that you think is is violating your values, then don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Then don't watch it. And that will make an impact. Same here with with Nike. I don't know if these are people selling their shares because in protest or because the market is smart and going, this is going to, it's not going to be helpful. A Colin Kaepernick campaign is not going to be helpful for their sales. Right. And so I don't know who's selling um, Nike, but that's their decision. And that's good. But like, we all agree that Colin Kaepernick's point here is in many ways, silly. It's not informed by the facts of the situation. He obviously just hates police officers, as, as you know, mainly shown by his socks, but other statements he's made as well. And we can all look at that and say, Colin Kaepernick, from our perspective, people that might be protesting the NFL, we can all come to this and say, Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick is a moron on this issue. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know that he doesn't know the details. You listen to him speak about it. He has no depth when it comes to the story. He doesn't know the statistics. He doesn't know anything about it. Why would we let a person like that define our actions and the things we do? Why would we let a person that we all acknowledge has no information and is not making smart decisions on the topic he's talking about? Why would we let him influence our Sundays? Let me play the other. Let me let me play the uh, the devil's advocate here, um, because if somebody doesn't stand up to these things, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. I mean, remember the NFL is the is the group of people that wanted to make sure that Rush Limbaugh didn't own a portion of an nfl team Mm -hmm. a portion yep but they're supporting colin kaepernick and uh and nike is is giving him a huge ad campaign uh, i mean the the accusation of the nfl it's bizarre because really have they supported colin kaepernick the guy's not even in the league The, the the season after he started kneeling he hasn't had a job since it so I, I don't know how how they've supported this guy all that much. I mean, there have been I, well, the they, accusation they is that, with that, that that the NFL should step in and you know fire every player who does it. Which I mean, I guess they probably could in some way. Uh, but again, I, I don't find their don't. opinion to be that important. I don't find the some safety on the Green Bay Packers or uh, the Kansas City Chiefs' opinion about police matters all that important. I've looked at the stats. The people in this audience have looked at the stats. They know the truth about the situation. What do we care? What a what, what a defensive end on the Miami Dolphins cares about the issue? I don't care what he thinks about it, and I'm not going to let it influence my life. Well, you are unusual. I'm very unusual. Yes. And a lot of people tell me that. Yeah, I know. You're in all un- sorts you're, of different situations. You're unusual, <laughs> and, and here's why. Because we feel under attack, and when you're under attack... You pull in and you defend. And so people feel that the country is under attack. And so when when you have that outrage or that anger, your your thinking centers go down. You go into the fight or flight mode and you stay there and you protect your ground. And I think people have been shoved into a corner for so long that they feel their back is against the wall and they're not going any further because they don't have any more space to go. Because if they go back any further, they're going to lose everything that they have. 
I mean, I think that's probably true, but first of all, it's something that I think we should all fight against. Yes, I do we agree should, with you. We shouldn't turn our brains off when we are, uh, you know, Correct. When, when someone comes after us. And I'm not saying, you know, a lot of people have thought this stuff through and come to different conclusions as I am, and that's that's fine. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'd refer people to, uh, we, we, I tweeted this, I think, last week. It was a, a kind of a rant by Will Kane, uh, who used to be on The Blaze mm-hmm. and is now over mm-hmm. at ESPN. And he's talking about uh, the, you know, issues between race and sports and everything else. And he said, you know, I don't care about, he's talking to Stephen A. Smith, who happens to be black. And he said, I I don't care what you say as a black man. I want to know what you say as Stephen A. Smith, because you're an individual. And I want to, I care about your opinion as an individual, not as a representative of some collective. I care about people as individuals. I'm an individualist. And we said the same types of things on the air for a long time. If you don't like what Colin Kaepernick says, blame Colin Kaepernick. You need to blame, you know, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of other players in the NFL that are doing the exact opposite. They're standing up every single time for the national anthem. There are thousands and thousands of employees at the NFL who hate what Colin Kaepernick does. Colin Kaepernick isn't even in the league you're talking about and you're boycotting it. How does that make any sense? You want to boycott Colin Kaepernick because you don't like his opinion. That's fine. But I mean, the idea to come out and, and boycott an entire league over the idea that, a, you know, what, 6%? three percent of its players are doing something offensive we we all lasted through domestic abuse we've all lasted through players who have killed people through duis we've all lasted through things much more serious than somebody kneeling even with an uninformed opinion and i just feel like we constantly let ourselves live in this society where the construction of it is if someone does something that i don't like then i am forced to act in this way well, you choose which way you react to it. You choose whether you ignore it and don't make it a big portion it's of your life. because we have prepared ourselves and our children, instead of preparing them for the road that they have to walk on in life, we've spent so much time preparing the road. So no one's prepared mm. for anything going down that road. Nobody's prepared. I, oh, oh, oh my gosh, that is so bad. I, oh my gosh. No. We have to stop trying to change everything on the road and recognize, uh, yeah, spooky stuff is on the road. Dangerous stuff is on the road. Funny stuff is on the road. Stuff that'll piss you off. Stuff that you will love. It's all on the road of life. It's all there. It's all there. Are you prepared to leave your house and walk down the road and see and interact with those things? If you're not, go back in your house. But it's time for us to grow up, to grow up. Yeah. And you know what? If you want to boycott Nike, I, I'm, I'm actually happy that they're they're losing, you know, three billion dollars. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually OK with it. I think this is a ridiculous thing. You know, if I were an investor in the company, I would look at it and say that was a stupid advertising move that's going to hurt you and, and i'm sure there's been no actual business effects on them yeah right. these are investors saying you know what people are going to do this yes. or i don't want to be associated with a right. company who's doing this but you have to get used to this america is no longer the biggest market in the world china is and so companies are going to care less and less about us and more and more about china and this is just one example of it. And so they don't have to be American. And one of the reasons why you'll you'll hear about the uh, the moon uh, movie, uh, you know, not putting the, the, the flag on there is because some people in the movie company said it will actually hurt the movie outside of domestic ticket sales. 
because America is unpopular right now. Well, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but if you want to do that with Nike, I'm, I'm glad. I think that was a stupid business move, but it's their move to make. What I find interesting is that in a time where you cannot find any company that will take a brave stand on anything, on anything, they will fire somebody that mm-hmm. fast that this company goes and finds one of the most polarizing figures of our time and elevates him to a hero status to sell shoes, apparently, in America. And you watch, they will not bend. Welcome, hopefully, to the world of Dick's Sporting Goods. Seen how much trouble they're in? <laughs> Sucks to be them, doesn't mm-hmm. it? You make these decisions and there are our consequences. Yep. As my dad used to say, life is nothing but a series of choices. And you have to be able to live with the consequences of each of those choices. All right. Sponsor this half hour is Blinds.com. One of the best ways to transform not just the look of your home, but how it feels is with brand new made-to-order custom blinds from Blinds.com. The team at Blinds.com makes it super super easy for you with free samples free shipping uh free online design consultation they'll help you choose the blinds that are right for you they'll guide you through the entire measuring and installation process even if a tape measure and screwdriver intimidate you i mean i don't know who that might be referring to because certainly anyway they'll answer your questions over the phone email they'll even uh, walk you through it with live uh, facetime or chat Plus, you can send them pictures to help guide the recommendations. So, Blinds.com. Go there. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings for 20 years. For a reason. They've sold 20 million blinds. For a reason. They're the best at what they do. Today's the last day of Blinds.com's Labor Day sale. You can save up to 50%, plus take an additional 5% off site-wide with promo code BECK. Last day to do this, 50% off, plus an additional 5% site-wide at Blinds.com, promo code BECK. Blinds.com, promo code BECK, rules and restrictions do apply. At least we can't. Right. You know, we're just still talking about boycotts. If you're, you know, you'll never see a movie again. Because there's always somebody who is a part of a movie or finance a movie or something that, you know, you disagree with. You're, you're never going to be able to go to see a show. You're never going to be able to. I mean, you're maybe going to be able to see country music concerts. Maybe. And again, I'm sure there's tons of people at the record company oh, that yeah. are making tons of money oh, off your gosh, concert yes. that you'd hate. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, Amazon just hit a trillion dollars in market cap. The second company, only Apple had done that before. And that was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I mean, surely you could find plenty of reasons to boycott both of those organizations. There's people that, you know, Jeff Bezos, you don't like the Washington Post. I mean, there's a million reasons why you can come up with, but again, at what point do you live your life instead of trying to make all these little barriers of things you can't do because someone else has done something you don't like? I want to end the show kind of where, where we began today. And that is we're living in a time where the big things, truth, justice principles they don't matter to anybody the only thing that seems to matter are all these things that are just teeny little irritants first world problems if you're lucky and we'll fight to the death over that 
Right, let's let's get some perspective and look for the core Glenn, issues. Back. Mercury. 